Good morning, church family. How are you today? Isn't it good to be here? I know that you've been praying for the, our women that have been, uh, well, maybe you've been praying for the husbands that are back here with children. And so uh, somebody said, well, I might have to change a diaper. I said, well, so? I mean, what's wrong with changing a diaper? You can do that. Well, I can't do that. That's, guys, get over it. Figure it out. That's all I got to say. I've changed plenty of diapers in my lifetime. Uh, I'm thankful that I'm out of that era, though. Thank, thank you, Jesus. But anyway, but uh, listen, we're glad to have you here. Um, we've got lots of people in and out with women being gone. We've got choir traveling. There's a lot of things that are happening this weekend, but here we are to celebrate, to celebrate Palm Sunday in anticipation of, of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus next Sunday. We invite you to come back and to be a part of that. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper at the end today. If you didn't receive um, some of the Lord's Supper elements when you're walking in, if you guys would raise your hand, we'll see if we can get some copies of that. Uh, Troy, will you see if they're out there, see if they can come back and bring us some? We'll see if we can do that. Alex, we'll make sure that you guys get here. Comes, here comes, look at Michael. Way to go, Mike. That's Hux, by the way. He likes to be called Hux. My daughter asked the other day, she goes, what's, what's Hux's last name? <laughs> She's not here, so I can say that. So uh, anyway, <laughs> oh my goodness. Anybody else you need Lord's Supper elements, we want to make sure you have those for the end of our time. Listen, thank you for your generosity towards Poland, Ukraine, and Gdansk Church there, the Gospel Church at Gdansk. Uh, we're prayerfully will have uh, Clint with us uh, later on in June. Uh, he and his wife will be traveling here, and she will be giving birth prayerfully to the fourth child after there was a long period of dealing with infertility. And we're excited for Clint and Missy, but hopefully on June the 26th, Clint will be able to be here to share with us how your gifts, your, your generosity has made a difference there as they have been ministering to the refugees coming in from Ukraine. Uh, if you turn with me this morning, we're going to be picking up where we left off last week in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Uh, we finished off last week in one of my favorite Bible verses, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not the first time that we see that passage of scripture in the, in the Bible. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it was Joel who first penned those words um, and it was in reference to God's wrath and his judgment in the midst of all that. Here was a message of hope that Joel brought that for those who would, were to re repent and turn to God, that everyone that called out on the Lord, that they would be saved. And here we're going to see in verse 14 and following in chapter 10, Paul's going to continue on this idea of crying out, us crying out to God to be saved. But for someone, um, for us to hear the message, someone has to share the message. And what I'd like to do is I'd just like to read a couple of passages for us this morning to get us going, and then we'll take off. And uh, uh, can, we, can we read there beginning in verse, verse 14 in chapter 10? And this is the words of Paul as he's writing to the church there at Rome. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Now, who do you think that someone might be? Huh. You didn't, who do you think that someone might be? See, some of y'all think me. See, y'all point your fingers at me. You need to point your fingers at yourself. 
I'm only a piece of this puzzle. It's not Dave's responsibility, Brian's responsibility, Huck's responsibility, Broom's responsibility. It's all of our responsibility to tell others about Jesus. We are that piece. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Would you pray with me today? Father, in the midst of our time, I'm very thankful that we're going to be talking about um, this passage of scripture today. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. May each one of us in this room have beautiful feet. I pray today for those that may be visiting with us, that's maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, for those that may be visiting with us um, that may be here today that don't know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Even today, may it be that day that the gospel itself is spoken and clearly heard and received. And today might be the day that someone says, yes, Jesus, I will. I will. I want to follow you. Be with us in the reading of your word in our conversations today and the participation in the Lord's Supper a little bit later on as we are reminded of the great sacrifice that you made years ago. Jesus, you're welcome in this place. We want you to be here with us. Be with our women as they finish up. And Jesus, today I pray for a dear friend, family, for Johnny, Johnny Wu's mom and dad, especially for his mom that's in that room, that hospital room now, in critical care, recovering from that accident yesterday afternoon. I pray you'd be with the family as they walk through this season, as they try to figure out and work with the doctors as they seek to heal her. Father, we come to you recognizing that you alone are the great physician. Would you be involved and at work in that time and that place? In Jesus' name, amen. So can I tell you a story? Y'all don't want me to tell you a story, do you? Okay. All right, I'll tell you a story. Meredith's not here, so I can tell the story. So anyway, about 21 years ago, uh, right after Abby was born, um, I guess somebody thought we were stressed out or something. I don't know. I don't think newborns bring stress into the home or anything like that. But, but anyway, it was at Christmas time, and so Abby would have been about a year old, and Meredith come. I'm, out, I'm outside working in the yard, and uh, it was on a Saturday, and Meredith comes out, and she looks at me, and she's got this look in her eye, and she says, don't you dare mess this up, okay? You ever had something, you ever had Jen do you like that, Kevin? Don't you mess this up, big dog. So I'm like, well, so she hands me this phone, and I go, hello, I don't want to mess this up, uh, you know? <laughs> and so on the other uh, line was some friends of ours, and they had done really well, and that year financially, and they said, Sid, we, we want to bless you and Meredith, and we'd like to, we'd like to send you guys to New York City for, um, for the holidays for a few days. Um, and so they went on to tell me, they said, listen, before you say anything, let me just tell you everything's taken care of. This is how you're going to get to the airport. This is where you're going to fly. The flights you'd be on, you're going to be staying here. You'd watch this. You'd do this. You'd eat over here. We've already made reservations for this, 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 and this. And then we're going to give you X amount of dollars for, um, for spending expenses. Um, all you have to do is say yes. Absolutely not. Why would I want to receive something like that? That was not, see, that would have really got me in a lot of trouble. I didn't say that, okay? 
I just said yes. But I, I mean, think about the most extravagant thing that's ever come your way where somebody's wanted to give you something and then to stand up and to go, no, I don't want, that's crazy. Why in the world would I receive that gift? I don't want that. And ref, have, you ever had, have you ever had that happen? Yet how many of us refuse the greatest gift of all that's ever been given, the gift of salvation that Jesus freely offers us, and yet we turn around and we say no. I mean, here it is, the gift of eternal life, the more significant than any earthly gift that we would ever give, and yet how many people day after day after day stared in the face the opportunity, the opportunity to receive the invitation, the gift, and yet they say no, no. There may have been, even be some of you here today that have, re, that have been in that same position where you said, no, no, I don't want to receive that. Well, if we go back to the book of Acts in the New Testament, the gospel was going out. If you know, um, the, the gospel was beginning to spread. Uh, we see where Pentecost took place and all of a sudden there was persecution and man, the gospel began to spread like wildfire. And as the gospel went out, there were many people that came to know the Lord, especially Gentiles, Gentiles like Cornelius and the Ethiopian eunuch or the Philippian jailer. But it wasn't just them. There were many others that heard the gospel and responded by saying, I believe. But on the other hand, there were those that, that heard the gospel that refused to believe, that rejected the gospel, believing that they themselves could earn salvation through obedience to the law. And not only that, many of those that rejected Jesus were Jews. They believed that Jesus was a fraud and they, they began to plot together how they would crucify, how they would kill Jesus, how they would take his life because they didn't like him. And looking back in Romans chapter 9, we see where, where Paul talks an awful lot about the sovereignty of God, the power of God and, and his work and election. And now here we are in chapter 10 and we begin to focus on man's responsibility that we have a choice to choose. And there's two overriding thoughts today that we're going to talk about. Too simple, they're not, they're not big, they're not, they're, they're not glamorous. They're, they're just two points that I really want to make today. And out of those two points, I just want you to know they're very foundational when it comes to the changing of our lives and our lives being transformed and the privilege that we have to receive Jesus. With the first being, very simple, those who believe the gospel will be saved. That's simple. Those who believe the gospel will be saved. Would you say that with me? Those who believe the gospel will be saved. If you go back to the beginning of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, this is what Paul said. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ, the power of God at work saving everyone. He didn't say some, some or many or most or a few or however. He just says everyone who chooses to believe, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. And according to this verse, salvation is impossible without Jesus. Not just acknowledgement of Jesus, but coming to the place to recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord that he's Lord, that if we confess with the mouth and believe in the heart that Jesus is Lord, not the fact that Jesus is just a good man or Jesus is a teacher, but Jesus is Lord. The gospel is crucial. The gospel is crucial. Because if I don't know and I don't understand the gospel, how will I ever be able to respond to the gospel? How will I ever be able to, to believe the gospel? And so let's talk about this message of the gospel to begin with there in verse 15, the message itself. Look at what Paul writes. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That's why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Look at your neighbor's feet and look and see if they, they, do they look good this morning? I didn't say if they smell good. I said if they look good. How are your feet? Do you have beautiful feet? Are you active in carrying the good news? Some translations translate that, path, that little end there, the gospel of peace. Paul's referring back to the book of Isaiah in the nation of Israel had been under, under bondage. They had been in captivity and now word had come that, that they were going to be released to go back, go back home. And Paul is saying how beautiful are the feet of those who bring, who, who bring peace, who preach peace, the good news of peace. And what's he referring to? You know, it's, just, it's important for us to understand that as sinners, we're separated from God. And when we're separated from God, that relationship with God is broken and there isn't any peace. When we're separated from God, we're separated from the hope of God, the promises of God, which is a great time to remind us of that simple truth that we talk about all the time. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. However, when we come to the place of recognizing and understand that we're sinners and we understand the significance of Jesus' death, that he died for us, that we can be freed from the penalty, from the power and the presence of sin, when we come to believe and place our faith in Christ and what he's done for us, we can experience joy and peace. Notice what he says there in verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of the message messengers who bring the good news. And this message that they brought wasn't a new message. It was, an, it was a message that the angels themselves had brought to the shepherds when Jesus was born. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 and following says, and there was that night shepherds staying in the fields, guarding their flocks by night. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and he, the radiance of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid because he said, I bring you what? Good news. Good news which will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. It's the good news of the gospel. It's about Jesus' love, his life, his death, his resurrection. The good news that, man, my sins can be forgiven, that I can be declared righteous and justified before God, not because of the things that I do, but because of what, I, what, I, what Jesus did. I was listening over, over here listening to a conversation the other day around a table and I overheard somebody say, yeah, I just hope I can be good enough one day. You'll never be good enough. Never be good enough. That I can have victory over sin and death, that my name can be written down and will be written down in that Lamb's book of life and that we have a priceless inheritance for us, one that will never decay, one that will never fade. And back in 14 and 15, we just don't talk about the message, but we also see the method. Yet the message of the gospel, as good as it is, unless it's communicated, it is valueless. Listen, the message was created and given to us so to be communicated, not to be held on to. Can you imagine if, if, I were to, if I were just to think to myself, oh, I love Meredith. I love her with all my heart, you know, and I just have this great, and I write letters to her, but I never send them to her. I just always keep them, put them in a little box. I mean, I mean don't you think that I should be active in sharing that message? 
that I should be active and not just acting and, and acting in a certain way towards her because I love her, but also communicating that love. That I should communicate that message, not only in my speaks, but in my actions. Because if I don't, what good is it? God just didn't give us the gospel message to be held on, but he give us, gives us the message so that it can be communicated. Look at what he says in verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Let's look at these two verses in reverse order. And let's look at some of the messages that God uses to communicate the gospel message. Jesus sends messengers. Salvation always begins with God. It doesn't begin with us. Our relationship with God doesn't begin because we seek after him. It's because he seeks after us. He pursues us. Go all the way back to Genesis. You remember the story of Adam and Eve when they sinned? After they sinned, what did they do? Did they run after God and pursue him because they saw themselves as sinners? No, they ran from God and they hid. But it was God, our heavenly father, that went looking for them, searching for them like he did. know, where are you? <laughs> he knew where they were. And he knows where you are. And he knows where I am. Our Heavenly Father pursues us. That even in our sin and even in our rebellion, God chooses to seek after us, to pursue us. Not because we get our act together, but he pursues us even while we're still in sin. Jesus gave his life. And one of the ways he pursues us is through messengers. Messengers like you and I, those of us that have heard the gospel, that have received the gospel. Looking back at verse 14, Jesus just doesn't send the messengers, but he also sends the messengers and he gives them a message. He gives them a responsibility and that responsibility is to preach. Messengers preach. Maybe you see some, some slides up behind me. I've been hearing um, these stories about what's going on with some of our partners in India and how the gospel is going out and how people are hearing the gospel and they're responding to the gospel. One of the comments that was made this past week was the gospel is going much further than what we thought it would in, this, in a short amount of time. People are hearing the gospel. People are responding to the gospel. Messengers preach. If you're listening to my voice and you've made the decision to trust Christ, somebody shared the gospel with you. And just as somebody shared the gospel with you, it's a responsibility and opportunity for you to be able to share the gospel with other people. That same challenge, that same command that Jesus gave his disciples to go into the world and to share the gospel, to baptize, to preach, to teach, to instruct, that same, same command that, that Jesus gave it's the same command that we have a responsibility to fulfill. Jesus sends messengers. The messengers pre preach and people hear. There are people that would say, but you know, there are people that don't want to hear the gospel. Let me respond to that by saying, I've never seen anybody in a sinking ship that wasn't looking for a lifeboat. I've never come upon anybody that I've known that was in a desperate situation that wasn't looking for help and assistance. Sometimes Meredith, talking about hearing, sometimes Meredith will, will kindly say to me, and I say kindly, did you hear what I just said? Did I say that right? Was my inflection right? Did you just hear me, honey, darling? Did you know what I said? Well, baby, I know exactly what you said. 
And I might have been working on my computer. I might have been doing something on the phone. I might have been reading a book. I might have been watching TV. And she, she called, did you hear what I said? And my response is, oh, baby, I heard what you said. And then her response is, what did I say then? <laughs> so you guys have been there like, you've been in there, haven't you? Is it possible for us to hear and not hear? I mean, does that make sense? Is it possible for us to, 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 to hear yet not hear? Just because we hear doesn't necessarily mean that we hear, but the Bible says that those who hear believe. Look at what he says in verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news. There's no power in my stories. There's no power in reasoning or speaking abilities or intellect, but the power comes from the word of God. The power comes from the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God and the Word of God that stirs the heart of man. And trusting Jesus comes from hearing the good news. Have you heard, have you heard the good news? How have you responded to that? I didn't say have you heard it, but have you heard it? Do you understand it? Does it, does it I mean, have you, have you absorbed it? Do you understand the significance of the gospel? I love what D.O. Moody once said. He said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. Faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up until this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. But now I opened my Bible and I begin to study and faith has been growing ever since. Faith comes by hearing. The gospel is the power of God at work saving all who believe. It reminds me of the story about the young boy who went off to, to seminary school. Uh, I don't know why he went to seminary school. He was scared to death of speaking. He was shy. He was afraid. He was very, very timid. And one day in one of his classes, one of his professors asked him, he said, son, listen, I want you to stand up and I'd like to, for you to be able to share with the class your, just a little bit of a devotional about what God's been teaching you. Here's this young man. All of a sudden, he began to sweat, began to form on his brow, and he stood up quietly and his knees were knocking and he really didn't know what to share, and so he just said something along this line. How many of you know what I'm about to say? And half the group raised their hand, and the other group didn't raise their hand. And he said, I am so glad. Listen, those of you that know what I'm about to say, would you please share with those who don't know what I'm about to say? And he ran out the door. You know, it's a funny story, but it makes the point. How many of us, we have a responsibility to share. Those of us that know we're supposed to share with those who don't know. A classmate, a neighbor, a, a co-worker, you know, the waitress down at the local restaurant, the business associate, the childhood friend. We're not just supposed to live out a Christian life and be good people. We're supposed to take the gospel, the gospel so that those who hear can believe and be Saved. And Paul moves now from the positive of those who hear can be saved to, to, the, to the negative. That those who believe the gospel are saved to, to those who reject the gospel are, are lost. Believe it or not, there are those who hear the gospel that, are, that don't want anything to do with the gospel. They reject the gospel. And Paul says here in verse 16, not everyone who welcomes, not everyone welcomes the good news. Spurgeon in his writing, teacher, theologian, pastor, he said obedience and belief are bound up in the same bundle. Obedience 
Who, he who obeys, believes. He who uh, believes, obeys. It's one and the same thing. And Paul says here that, that not everyone, not everyone will welcome. Not everyone who hears the gospel will receive the gospel. That even when this extravagant gift is recognized, there will be some people that refuse to, recept it, to receive it. And Paul quotes from Isaiah chapter 53 saying, For Isaiah the prophet said, The Lord, uh, Lord who has believed our message. And one of the questions is, when people hear the good news, will they believe it? And Paul's response is, no, not everyone. I mean, just because the message goes out, just because we're faithful to share the message, the good news of Christ, doesn't mean that everyone who hears it will receive it. Not doesn't believe that everyone who hears it will welcome it. Not everyone will understand the significance. In fact, the Jews to whom Paul would have been writing, the ones who should have believed, God's chosen people, seem to be the ones that rejected the gospel the most. You know, you think about it. We live in a day and time now with technology and, and uh, social media and internet and everything that we have, radio, the opportunities to hear the good news are far and beyond anything that I mean, we could ever dream or imagine 10, 15, 20 years ago. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, our services go out. They're live. They're recorded. Anybody can hear them at any point in time from any place around the world. We have people from about 13 different countries that listen in that will go back and at some point in time have, have participated. Around the world, and we're not there, but the message is, Wednesday night, the message of the gospel goes out as Michael preaches this to teenagers. And it's not just teenagers, the message of the gospel goes out too. I was listening to my parents. My dad said, I just want you to know we listen every Wednesday night too. The gospel goes out. But even though the gospel is going out and being preached, not everyone who hears will welcome the good news and believe. But why? I mean, why, why in the world would anyone refuse the good news. Picking up in 18, Paul's, Paul's thoughts here specifically are centered around the Jewish people of whom had been chosen to be a light to the world to make the Lord's name known amongst the nations. But here we, we see them here saying no to God. And the question is, did the Jews not hear the good news? Did they not hear it? I mean, did they, did they not understand it? Look at what he says. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes. They've heard. Yes, they have. The message has gone out throughout the earth and the words to all the world. And he quotes from the Psalms. And he gives us an example of how they've heard the gospel. The general revelation of the Lord through creation. Man, if there's a creation, there has to be a creator. I shared earlier on, I remember being in the jungles of Nicaragua. And in that jungle, they had asked me at one point in time, unexpectedly said, will you share the gospel with these that are coming? Because there were people that had heard that there were white people that had come down the river. And so people were coming from all over the places. Some of them had walked or had ridden down the river for, for hours to get to us. And so I'm thinking to myself, and you go, well, that's, you know, a pastor, you can, spare, you can share the gospel at any point in time unless you've been in a different culture that's different than what you're used to. You know, for me to share some of my stories would be totally irrelevant to them. And I remember that night as, as I was asking the Lord for wisdom and guidance of what to share. And there had been a storm. The rain would come and go. And we were in the rainforest. It would come and go and come and go. 
And I stood outside that hut that we were in, and I, I remember looking up at the stars that one night as I was asking God for guidance. And, and as I looked at the stars, I, I thought to myself, that's it. Because the same stars that I look at in Florida where I live is the same stars that they look up and see here in this jungle. It's the same God. And all of a sudden, God began to put together a message of, of salvation and creation and, and God's, the fact that if there was a creation, there was a creator. But we not only recognize general revelation that all of us have, that there is a creator and there's a, cre and there's a creator and he's, he's the creator of the creation. But the children of Israel didn't have just the general revelation of God, but they also had special revelation. Think of all the things that the people of God, the chosen people of God, had and they experienced that they should have, that God, God revealed himself through his provision and through his promises, through his protection, through his miracles, through the appearances, through dreams, the written word, all of which pointed them to Jesus. I mean, if there were anyone that, have, that should have understood and heard, had heard the good news, it would have been the Jews. But if they didn't hear and they didn't understand, the question would be why? Why? You know, if they had heard the gospel and they did, what's the reason behind? Where is the disconnect coming from? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, we find where it says, For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. The problem with Israel wasn't ignorance. They could have never said, I don't know or I've never heard. Because for 4,000 years, God had demonstrated his faithfulness to them over and over and over. The gospel is preached throughout the Old Testament. And the problem wasn't the fact that they hadn't heard, but they just didn't understand. They didn't understand. And that was the question. Did the Jews not understand the good news? And in verse 19, he goes on to say, but I asked, did the people of Israel really understand? Yeah, they understood. They understood for even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse their jealousy through people who are not even, um, for, for, who are not even a nation, which is going back to referencing the Gentiles. The Gentiles were not the chosen people of God, yet there were many of them that were coming to God as they were hearing the gospel. And he goes on to say, I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God saying, I, I was found by people, the Gentiles, who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not even asking for me. Paul knew that the Jews were, were prejudiced against the Gentiles. The Jews felt that they were better than them. They were, more, they were spiritually farther along. They were more morally farther along. And Paul turns around and he says, hey, those Gentiles, you know, the guys that you're making fun of, the guys that you think aren't as spiritual as you and they're uneducated and they're, they're ignorant, well, I just want you to know they're coming to God in droves. They're turning to God in multitudes. And here it is, you say you know the Bible, you know that God created all things, and yet you refuse to humble yourself before him and place your faith in him. And so the problem wasn't the fact that Israel uh, lacked information. It wasn't that they lacked intelligence. It wasn't that they lacked clarification. But look at what he says in verse 21. But regarding Israel, God said all day long, I opened my arms to them. But they were what? disobedient and rebellion, rebellious. I mean, time and time again, God had made itself known, but 
But what was the condition? The, the, the problem they had is they were disobedient and they were rebellious. They didn't just not do what God told them to do, but they were determined not to do what God told them to do. Regardless of the clarity, regardless of the proof of all the things that God had done, they refused to believe. See, in spite of what God had done to, to rescue them from the hands of Egypt, for regardless of the fact that God had parted the Red Sea, that he had provided manna when they were wandering around in the wilderness, they didn't care if Jesus was the Son of God. They didn't care that he had turned the water into wine, that he had healed the sick, that he was crucified for our sins, that he was raised from the dead. They just refused to believe. Their hearts were hard. They were rebellious. The problem with Israel is that they were so religious and good that they not only didn't think they needed Jesus, but they missed him. They were just too good. And they missed him. And it's the same for us. But it's not just the nation of Israel. Boy, this is a picture of America as well, isn't it? How much God has blessed us how much God has demonstrated his love and his faithfulness towards us in the nation. And yet it seems as we're coming to a place in time where we're saying, no, God, we got this under control. But not just as a nation. What about personally? See, Israel's problem in ours is today isn't because of lack of evidence. It's not because of lack of information. It's lack of belief. We don't need any more evidence. We just need to empty ourselves out and say, Jesus, I believe. Paul said that they weren't just disobedient, but they were also rebellious. I love, I, 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 I love the, um, the picture here, the, 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 the picture that's painted in verse 21. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them. You know how it is with your children, you're playing with them and you open your arms, you're like, come here, come here, come here. Doesn't feel too good when your children turn right around and walk the other direction, does it? And yet that, isn't that a picture of what we do to God all the time? God says, here, I'm, I'm waiting for you. I want to receive you. And yet the scripture says they were disobedient and rebellious. Here's God with his arms open wide, waiting to receive us, waiting to embrace us. And defiantly we say, no, no. Back when Hurricane Katrina decimated a lot of the Louisiana coastline, there were rescue teams that were sent out and those rescue teams had specific jobs that they were given. The Coast Guard um, had some teams that went out with helicopters to rescue. And uh, there was one gentleman who was a lieutenant with the Coast Guard, and he was sent out on several different missions. Um, and he recorded um, some paragraphs in a journal that he had about that time and about his rescue efforts. And I thought I might share a little bit of that with you briefly, just in, in paraphrasing. And this is what it said. The first three missions, we saved a lot of lives. There were 89 people total, three dogs, a cat. The fourth mission, though, was a great frustration. We saved no one, not because we didn't try, but the dozens that we attempted to rescue refused. Some simply asked to please bring us food and water. 
we warned them of the dangers of the continuing to water that would be rising high and it would be rising high for many days but they continued to still refuse it was frustrating I became angry I became upset because the precious time that we had put um, we, we spent time and fuel and we had put our own lives at risk in each one of those rescue attempts but for no avail I felt that they were ungrateful but in truth they just didn't know how desperate the situation was that they were in you know, I think one of the most discouraging and difficult experiences is trying to help somebody that you know, you know where they're headed, and you're trying to offer assistance. You're trying to offer them something that will help them, and they, yet they continually look at you and they refuse that help. That's so discouraging. To watch them time after time after time refuse that help. How many people around us are desperate? How many people around us are we, do we want to share that good news and yet they continually blow it off? You know, as messengers, sometimes the way we go about things are flawed, aren't they? They are. Our lives are flawed because we're sinners. That's not an excuse though. But I want you to guy, I want you to understand this today, if nothing else. The message that we preach, there is no flaw. That Jesus Himself is not, He's flawless. That the message about the gospel is strong and it's absolute. The message about the Messiah, Jesus, is real. And today, if you don't know him, you have the ability to receive him. I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. And a little bit later on, in the, as we participate in the get ready for the Lord's Supper, there's going to be an opportunity to respond. But as we close out, would you just bow your heads today? The Bible says that if we confess with the mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, then we will be saved. And today, if you've never made a decision, if you're listening to my voice to trust Jesus, you have that ability today to trust Jesus, to cry out to him. And the Bible says that everyone who cries out to him that acknowledges that Jesus is Lord will be saved. And today, if that's you right there where you are, regardless if you're in this room, if you're sitting listening to my voice uh, in a living room, if you're driving down the street, if you're with a group of people or if you're with your, all by yourself, I want you to know this, that God is right there with you. And the Bible says that if you call upon his name, he'll save you right there. And it might be a prayer, something along this line, Jesus, I've made a mess of my life. But today I want to confess my sin and I want to place my faith in you and I want to give my life to you. Jesus, I believe that you died for me and I believe, Jesus, that you will save me. I want to trust you today. Save my life. And if that's you, in just a moment, you have an, have an opportunity to respond, to come down. I'm going to ask if Michael and, and if Brian would stand here with me this morning. In just a few minutes, we're, as we prepare and examine our lives for the Lord's Supper, you'll have an opportunity not just to sit there and say, I want to trust Jesus, but you can come and see one of us here down front and say, today I want to trust Jesus. 
Will you pray with me? There may be others of you in just a few minutes that want to come and pray for others around you that that you want to be that messenger to to take the gospel to, to people around you. You want to be faithful, a faithful messenger of preaching the gospel, of not just living it out, but sharing with others the gospel and what Jesus, what Jesus can do if we're willing to receive that free gift. Father, I'm just praying for us over these next few minutes as we move ourselves towards an invitation time, a time of examination is a time as well as remembering and uh, the sacrifice that you've prayed. Would you be with us in these moments? In Jesus' name, I want you to look at me for a second. We're gonna, we have the privilege today of celebrating the Lord's Supper. You know, in the Old Testament, we, we remembered the things of God through the people of God, remembered the greatness of God through festivals and celebrations that the Lord himself instituted. And it helped them be reminded of God's provision and his protection. But in the New Testament, it was Jesus himself that initiated the Lord's Supper so that we would never forget his sacrifice and his suffering and his love for us. One of the questions sometimes that people ask is, well, you know, in an environment like this, who participates in the Lord's Supper? And the answer to that is anyone who's come to claim Jesus Christ is Lord and that believes that Jesus is Lord, we welcome you to participate with us today. But today, if you've never made that decision, man, listen, you're welcome to sit right there and just be quiet and observe. But I have to ask you, what's keeping you from making the most important decision of your life? Paul, as he he gave us a little bit of a description as he was writing to the Corinthian church, said that one of the things that we should do before participating in the Lord's Supper is to to examine our lives. And we want to be able to do that today, to examine, to ask, is there any unconfessed sin in my life that I'm experiencing? Is Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness that needs to be dealt with? And today, during this examination time, this time of quietness, Brian and the team are going to sing for us today. And this is a time for you to do business right there where you are, but some of you may want to come, like I said earlier, and pray. There may be things that you want to come pray, just you and you alone, or you and your spouse, or a friend, or maybe you want to come talk to Brian or Michael. You have the ability to come today. Maybe you're one that has made a decision to trust Jesus. This is the perfect time for you to say, and I want you to know that today I've I've made that decision. You, You come. But I want to pray for us, and then Brian, and then we're going to sing. And then after that singing, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. Father, would you be with us over these next few minutes as we listen, as we hear your voice. Father, may we be faithful to respond as we, as we, as we contemplate and as we examine our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, let's stand to our feet and let's sing this song together. He is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory 
And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. instructions he went on to say that 
he received from the Lord, which also I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, that he took the bread. He took that bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of, of me. In the same way, after supper, in the midst of the conversation and the teaching and the, and the fellowship and the relationship that was going on, after that supper, he took the cup and he said that this cup was a representation of the new covenant. And do this, and whenever we drink it, may we remember him. So Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken. Why? For us. For us. For the people that God has laid upon your heart. For them. And that God gives us the privilege of being his messengers. And today, not only does Jesus send you, I send you. I send you out this week to go out, to be active and not only just living for Christ, but being his, his hands and feet, his voice, that people will come to know the gospel. How will they know? Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. May we have incredible looking feet. It's a privilege to do what we do, but recognize that not everyone that hears will believe. That's not our job. Our job is not to convince them to come up with these theological ideas or concepts so that we can show them how bad that they are. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We're just to tell them about the good news and what Jesus has done. And if you're not active in that, man, it's a great week to get involved, especially with us leading, leading ourselves towards each other in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for us that as we leave this place, that we would be very motivated and, and thoughtful of, God, how can you use me? How can I be the messenger that you've caused me, that you've, that you've created me to be, that I can share the gospel, the good news with others, the same gospel that was shared with me, that I can take that gospel and I can give it away freely so that others may come to know you. Father, I pray you would help us to be your hands and feet, that we would understand that you've created within us this ability to be your voice piece, to be your mouthpiece, your voice to this, this world, our community and the world around us. Father, I pray for this week that we'll be very active in sharing. God, I'm, I'm asking today for an, just an incredible week this week as we make our way towards the resurrection of Jesus. Help us to understand the depth of what it means to live out a heritage of faith. And Father, to, to accept that responsibility willingly. Thank you for Reagan's baptism today, for the celebration we have with Darren and Vicki and their family. God, what a blessing it is that we can be a part of that. Bless us now as we go. Help us to be reminded of what's to come. And Father, the privilege of one day seeing you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.